So good afternoon, guys. Um, so I want to welcome you guys, but more importantly, I want to thank you guys. And this may seem odd that at the beginning of this sermon that I'm saying thank you, but please let me explain. Right. So God in his word makes it clear that the teaching, that the preaching of his word should be of paramount importance in the lives of the regenerate believer. Right. He makes it clear that not only should we heed to the words of Scripture, but that we should devote ourselves to sitting under elders, to sitting under leaders, to sitting under teachers, pastors and shepherds. And while in no way am I equating myself to any of those positions, it is still with great honor and with great respect that I say thank you for allowing me the privilege to open up the word of God and communicate it to you today. So the portion of scripture that I will be speaking on today will be the first 17 verses of the Gospel of Matthew. And I hope in the next few weeks, in the next few months, to methodically go through the entire Gospel of Matthew. And before we continue talking about the Gospel of Matthew, let me just say a few words about what you can expect from my teaching and from my preaching style moving forward. Right, so it's my understanding of the Bible and my conviction that the Bible was written, that it was inspired and breathed out by God. He has given it to us in his 66 books of the Old and New Testament. And it's my understanding that in order to understand completely or as as much as we can to understand as much as we can of the word of God and its original intent that we must read the scripture for what it is and how God gave it to us. And here's what I mean by that. Right. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with this. You guys have heard of what I'm about to say. But there are some Christians, there are some in the world, even pastors that will go through the Bible, right? They will uh, start with their own opinion or their own interpretation of what they want the Bible to say. And what they'll do is they will cherry pick and they will find verses from the Old Testament, right? They'll find verses from the New Testament, from the Psalms, from Paul's letters, from wherever. And they will cherry pick those verses to align with what they want the Bible to say instead of letting the Bible speak for itself right it's my understanding and my conviction that God gave us the 66 books of the Bible with a purpose right he gave us a, a beginning he gave us a middle and he gave us an end to the Bible with a purpose. He gave us 66 individual books of the Bible with a purpose, all so different, but yet interconnected and all pointing to the life, the work, and the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So in order to understand the original intent of God, I will be going methodically through the book of Matthew and we're gonna be attempting to pull out what God is showing us in the book and gospel of Matthew. So we'll start there. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to the gospel of Matthew. 
we're going to be starting at chapter 1, verse 1. So Matthew says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijab. And Abijab, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealti, and Shealti the father of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathen, and Mathen the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Father, I come before you in the name of your son, Jesus, and I ask that even in texts like this, texts that seem so hard to understand, so hard to get through, that just seem like lists for no reason. Father, even in texts like this, that you would show us how you would want to edify us, how you would want us to profit from texts like this, how you can equip us from texts like this, Lord, because your word says that all scripture is profitable. All scripture is to equip the saints for your work. So help us to wrestle with texts like this. Amen. So before you stone me to death, please let me explain why I have belabored through this reading of this scripture. Right? And this is something we already know. It's not new to us, but I find relevant to mention again. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, 
All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, profitable for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So yes, even this genealogy, even this genealogy that we so normally skip over without giving a second thought is written and provided to us for our benefit so that we that so that we may understand the deep truths of God even in something like this and know this please that I would not be discussing this portion of scripture with you if it was not for your benefit if I didn't think that there was some rich 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 importance here so I have a little story for you guys, right? A few months ago, I decided with my mother that we were gonna create a family tree, right? And we had been familiar with this website uh, that we had heard about called Ancestry.com, right? And I'm sure some of you guys uh, are familiar with it. I'm sure some of you guys have even used it before, right? And in the process of doing the research and, and finding out this person's name and that person's name, uh, what I realized in this whole ordeal is that I knew nothing about my family's history. I knew nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. I barely knew the names and last names of all of my grandparents. And let's be real. Let's be real here. Who really knows much? about their family's ancestry, right? Who knows about their family's ancestry? And I'm not talking about your grandparents or your parents or your uncles. I'm talking further along, right? Who knows the names of their great-grandparents? Who knows the names of their great-great-grandparents? Really, who knows? Right? It's clear that in today's modern society, the values that we place on our family lineage, it's just not important. It's not important. I mean, who cares in this modern age who their great, great grandparents are? How is that going to benefit you? I mean, who cares how many uncles you have and how many aunts you have and what countries they're from? Right? And so today, in today's society, it doesn't matter, right, who your grandparents were. It doesn't benefit you. It doesn't matter who your, uh, who your parents were. It doesn't matter any of those things, right? In America, the mantra that we sing, the mantra that we live our life by is that we can be whatever we want, that we can be whoever you want to be, despite who your parents were, who your grandparents were, who your great-grandparents were, right? If your parents didn't go, go to college, you can, right? If your grandparents couldn't read, if they couldn't write, if they couldn't even speak English, you could learn to read, you could learn to write, you could speak English, you could even probably learn two or three different languages if you really wanted. The point that I'm trying to make here is that in today's society, our family lineage means nothing. It means nothing. Right, but here in these texts, we see something else, 
right? We see something totally different, right? Matthew, the writer of this gospel has taken his time, not only to include the family lineage of Jesus Christ, but he has gone through the labor of placing it first, at the beginning, before anything else. He wants us to know about Jesus's ancestors. So the question that we must ask ourselves is why? Why? Why is Matthew going through all of this trouble? Right, so last time we met, right, our brother Matthew, uh, Matthew Rodriguez, so graciously preached to us about the sufficiency and the authority of the entire Bible, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. And he made the point that without the Old Testament, there is absolutely no New Testament. And how true that is. But I'm going to make an extra point. I'm going to take it a step further and say, without the Old Testament, there is no Savior. There is no intercessor. There is no atonement. Without the Old Testament, there is no Jesus Christ. And Matthew, the disciple of Jesus Christ, makes this known to us through this bridge, through this transition that he is making from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And today, here is the question that I'm going to pose to you all and the question that I will attempt to answer. What does Jesus's lineage say about him? I'll say it again. What does Jesus's lineage say about him? Right. As we have already discussed today, our lineage doesn't say much about us but Jesus's says a ton about him so here we go if you have your Bibles again turn with me to Genesis chapter 12 and we're gonna look at verses 2 and verses 3 and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I'll say that again. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the promise of God to our forefather Abraham that through Abraham that through his descendants a blessing would come and you see today we use the word blessing like any other word right it's part of our Christianese right the lingo that we use when we show up to church on Sunday right I'm so blessed God bless you peace and blessings and the ways that we use this word go on and on. But when God says the word blessing, he isn't just including it as a part of his regular 
vocabulary. What we see here is that he is promising Abraham that through his descendants, that there will be something, that there will be someone that will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And what Matthew is doing when he tells us that this book is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham, he is telling us that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. He is telling us that Jesus is included in the line of offspring that God promised to use as a blessing to the whole world. He is telling us that Jesus is the promised blessing that God made with Abraham thousands and thousands of years ago. Right? Jesus is the son of Abraham. He is the son of Abraham. And of course we know he's not the literal son of Abraham. But what Matthew means is that Jesus is from the line of Abraham. And here is what this is telling the Jews at the time that this is being written. Matthew is reminding them. He is saying, remember when God made that covenant with Abraham that he would bring about a blessing for all the world? Remember that? Well, guess what? Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus is the blessing. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior of not only the nation of Israel, but Jesus is the Savior of the entire world. Amen. So let's continue. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus is also the son of David. And what we have to remember here is that David was king. Right? David was the beloved, anointed king of Israel. And in those times, the way that kingship was passed on, it was passed on through your children. Right? It was a dynasty. Right? You couldn't earn your way into kingship, right? There was no elections. There was no voting. There was nothing like that. The only way that you could become king over Israel was to be born inside the lineage of King David. So what this means is that because David was the king over Israel, his son Solomon would be the one to take over as king after his death, and so on and so forth, right? The legal status, the legal claim to the throne resided within the line of David, right? No one else, no one else born outside of his line could have any legal claim to the title of king of Israel. And what Matthew does, he tells us at the very beginning of this section of scripture, and he emphasizes it. He says that Jesus is the son 
of David. In other words, Jesus is from the line of David. He is a descendant from David and thus has legal claim to the throne of king. Right? No one else could have the claim that Jesus has. Again, if you have your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. And when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. And here's the important part. Your throne shall be established forever. I read that again. And your throne shall be established forever. God promises to David that his throne will forever be established through his offspring. Right? What an awesome and amazing promise from God that is. Right, so, so far we have discussed the implications and purpose of Matthew writing to us that Jesus is the son of Abraham and he's also the son of David. But what about everyone else? Right, what about all the other people that Matthew has included in this long, long genealogy? Right, although Matthew has gone out of his way to emphasize the importance of Jesus being the promised blessing, the Messiah, and the rightful king over Israel, listing all the other descendants of Jesus also has some importance. So, real quick, have you ever thought about the Bible? And maybe for a second, right, just for a second, thought how could all of this actually be true right how could all of these miraculous things have actually happened and been recorded for us well this is what the genealogy of jesus christ does for us it places jesus in history you see sometimes we doubt right sometimes we just sometimes we think for a second nah there is no way that this jesus guy actually existed right there's no way that a guy named jesus actually walked the earth and did all the things that we are told about in the bible but what matthew does is he places jesus directly into history by telling us who his parents were by telling us who his grandparents were, by telling us who his great-grandparents were, and so on and so forth. He makes Jesus not only a guy written about in a book, but he paints Jesus into a real-life 
person and pinpoints his exact genealogy to help us understand that Jesus is real. Right, Matthew illustrates for us that through this genealogy that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the promised King of Israel, the Savior of the world. And here is the last point that I will make and I will close. If there is anything that you should take away from this portion of scripture that we so easily skip over, it's this. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. And if any of you are even remotely familiar with the Old Testament, you will know that the nation of Israel did not have a squeaky clean history. On the contrary, the Bible tells us that judge after judge, that king after king did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And yes, that includes many of whom are included in the genealogy of Christ. But even throughout all of the disobedience, God was faithful. God was faithful to the promises that he made with Abraham and the promises that he made with David. God was faithful. And if I can for a moment, just make one point of application for you all. Here's what it would be. Read the Old Testament. Read the Old Testament. Amen. Grace and peace be with you all. Thank you.